Yud Aleph Av, Tafshin Ayin Chet. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Words from the Haftarav Parshat Ekev, one of the Nechamot, words that we said at the end of the uh, keynote of um, Tisha of Night. God has consoled Zion, a prophetic vision that has come true in part. 
Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome to this week's edition of the Israel Show. We're back. We were off for the nine days, but we are right back here live, as we are each and every week, immediately following Jamie and the AM, 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time, and around the world. Whatever time it is right now, where you are, that's what time we're on. But we're also available on demand, as always, on demand. Go to the archives at the Nachum Siegel Network app or NachumSiegel.com. Look for the Israel Show. And you can listen to the show whenever you want. You can download it into your device while you're in a Wi-Fi zone for free and then listen in the car. It's, it's just amazing what we can do today. And please tell your friends about the show as well. If you like it, tell others. And uh, you can be part of our Facebook uh, page. You can join uh, 700 and something others. It keeps growing and we encourage you to join the page if you haven't yet and like the posts on the page if you have it's facebook.com slash the israel show facebook.com slash the israel show and we post links to the songs that we play if there is a youtube link to the song that we played we post links to uh the songs that uh, are on our playlist for that week every week after the show and a link to listen to the show as well if you want to listen to it uh, that way. And thank you so much for making us a part of your week. Uh, wow. Tisha B'Av, yet another one. Somebody pointed out, and I don't know if this has any relevance whatsoever, because it is all based on the Christian date, what we call the secular date, the Gregorian calendar. It is cute, but uh, I don't think it has any real significance. <laughs> Mention it anyway. Um that uh, they wrote, uh, I haven't checked out all the details, but that um, this year is 1,948 years since the destruction of the temple in the year 70. That's 1948 years since the year 70. In 1948, the state of Israel was founded, and this year we celebrate its 70th anniversary. So that's a very nice, cool number game, but doesn't work with the uh, with the with the real calendar that counts in this world of ours, the Jewish calendar. Um, we're going to go to some music. Then we have um, we're going to talk about the tefillah of Nachem that uh, we say on Tisha B'av. The Ashkenazim say it at Mincha. I think some of the Sfarim say it also during other tefillah. Do we change words of a tefillah if the reality within which we live have changed? and make the words of the tefillah now somewhat untrue, maybe? Or do we uh, are we very conservative with a small c and keep everything exactly the way it is, not changing anything? And that's a controversy that um, began just a few months after the Six-Day War. The Six-Day War was uh, in ER, uh, and here a few months later, Sivan, Tammuz, Av, that's it, and we're at Tisha B'Av, and now what do we do? So uh, we'll discuss some of that. We will um, talk about um, this amazing piece of a speech that uh, Zev Jabotinsky gave on Tish Abe'av in 1938 in Warsaw to a packed, huge audience. Fascinating. He, he was a fascinating individual. We don't know, we don't learn enough about him, actually, I must say. Um, yes. Listener Benji points out that Avram Avinu was born in the Hebrew year of 1948. Absolutely correct. And so we will go to some more music, and then we'll come back with all our great features 
for everyone to enjoy. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network, coming to you live on this, uh, the day after the 10th of Av, which uh, was the commemoration of the 9th of Av, which was really a commemoration of, according to the Navi, at least two other dates that were written down for the Chorban, but the 9th of Av is when we usually commemorate it. This past Friday, it's important to remember, although the news cycles fly by, this past Friday, an Israeli soldier, a young man, about to celebrate his 20th birthday, was shot in southern Israel at the border with Gaza, was shot by sniper fire, meaning that an Arab on the other side of the border was sitting, waiting, aiming, and then shooting to kill an Israeli soldier. And as usual, as, as crazy as it makes me, everyone just keeps quiet, barely, barely noticed it. He um, was wearing a bulletproof vest, but it seems, I'm not a big expert on this, but it seems that there are several types of bulletproof vests, and he was wearing an older one, a, they call it a ceramic vest. The terrorist, the Hamas terrorist on the other side of the fence was using a weapon, an Iranian uh, weapon is uh, what Israeli sources say, which is specifically designed to shoot bullets that can penetrate ceramic bulletproof vests. Amazed of amazed of amazed. And that's how he ended up getting killed, unfortunately. Sadly because the bulletproof vest could not stop that type of, uh, of weapon. What happened after um, the shooting was that the Israeli Defense Forces went on an all-out attack in Aza. They claimed that 60 terrorist targets were hit, and three brigade heads, army bases of their army, were also hit and totally destroyed. At that time, on Friday night, when all this was happening, Friday night Israel time, it was still before Shabbat here, it seemed to many that Israel just had it, had enough. They bombed the heck out of them, destroyed a lot of their infrastructure, and was waiting for the possibility that, that there would be a war. Because there, there is a theory in Israel that Hamas wanted a war. Don't know why, don't understand it exactly. But if they wanted it, they keep goading Israel into starting one. And by sending a sniper to shoot a, a soldier like that, that would be very good reason to, to, to begin fighting back. Well, Israel did it by air, which it always prefers to do, obviously, no casualties that way. And soon after, there was a ceasefire declared by the Hamas. So I guess it does seem that if you bomb the heck out of them, maybe they'll stop shooting. But here's the funny thing, you know, we've been talking for the for the past weeks, ironic I should say, not funny, for the past weeks about the fires that are being deliberately set by Hamas by sending these balloons and kites over the border fence with incendiary devices and burning uh, uh, thousands and thousands of acres of land. We uh, reported that the land that is as large as the entire city of Petah Tikva was uh, destroyed. We posted yesterday a video, I think it was on our uh, Facebook page, 
that showed in American terms how many football stadiums, I don't have the numbers in my head right now, how many football stadiums, how many Disneylands, how many, you know, um, were burnt to, to the ground. So um, when Israel said, you know, we've had enough and started by, and, and Hamas declares a ceasefire, then a few hours later Hamas says, yeah, but that doesn't mean, that means we're, we're not going to shoot, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to set fires. So there's the irony of it, right? A ceasefire means we're going to cease firing, but we're not going to cease fires. Do you get it? No. Going back for a few minutes just to give you a taste of, um, of the agony of the family of Aviv Levy, the soldier that was killed. His cousin writes, he was somebody who worked hard in everything he did. He was very thorough in everything he did. He, he was a champion at the capoeira, which is a type of uh, martial art, and he was a mafaked in givati. And whatever he did, he did to, to the best degree. He always helped others as much as possible. He was loved by all. And next week he would have celebrated his 20th birthday. Uh, his um, his girlfriend writes, can't comprehend what's happening from the moment that you have left me, my dear, my dear fighter. My heart is on fire. My tears don't stop. Who would have believed that I would lose you so quickly? I refuse to believe that you're not here with me. I refuse to believe that I won't hear your voice again, ever. I will always remember you. You will always be in my heart. And you think about a news story that just flashed. That was, even in Israel, was like a, a, a side story. They spoke a little bit about him. They showed a couple of seconds about his funeral. And that's it. And then you read what his cousin writes and what his girlfriend writes and you think of the parents who now who lost a 19 year old son a 20 year old son we really it doesn't sink in enough to us to think about these young men and women who sacrificed their life to keep us safe no I always try to take out a few minutes and remember them and um, as part of that memorial I'm going to play um, what I think is one of the most beautiful versions of Elitzion done by Rona Kainan very moving and uh, after that we come back we'll go we'll get to our other the other topics that we're going to speak about um, the Nachim controversy whether we should be changing the words of certain tefillot because reality has changed and also about uh, the speech of Zev Jabotinsky the prophetic speech on Tisha of uh, 80 years ago 19 uh, 38. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Ah, 
with Elizion Vareha. Wow. Very beautiful. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. As we mentioned, 80 years ago, is it 80 years ago? Uh, yeah, 80 years ago. 80 years ago, on Tisha Av, just about now, in the city of Warsaw, and you have to understand that Warsaw at the time for the Jewish world was almost like New York now for the Jewish world. It was the center, it was the hub of of Jewish life. It was like the capital of uh, Jewish Eastern Europe. And um, Zev Jabotinsky was a leader within the Zionist movement, but was really a rebel within the Zionist movement. He was a big adversary of Ben-Gurion and of the socialists in the Zionist movement. He he was not a socialist. And he also had tremendous disagreements with the leadership about how to deal with with the with things, with, with the events that are occurring in the world as the Zionist movement is trying to move forward towards a Jewish state. We so don't know enough about him. It's 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 amazing because he was he was truly, and you'll see in a moment, based on what I'm about to read to you, he was truly uh, uh, a a visionary and understood the world around him very well. And um, for example, he was one of those that founded, pushed the British 
to agree to have a Jewish brigade fighting in World War I together with the British, which was uh, an ingenious idea for many reasons. One is he wanted to get the Jewish youth to get some fighting experience, army experience, which was important. He understood that we would need that in the land of Israel. And they agreed, and there was such a, a Jewish brigade. He was against the um, the various, there were, there were more than one, um, um, proposition to partition the land of Israel, to split the land of Israel between the Jews and the Arabs. Um, this was a British proposition in, I think, 1928, and then again, of course, the UN proposition in 1947, and... While the the Ben Gurions and and his affiliates had this idea of let's get what we can take, we'll worry about it later. Jabotins, let's take what we can get, and we'll worry about the rest later. Jabotinsky said, "No, this is not a feasible arrangement. Splitting this tiny piece of land that's left after Jordan was already plopped off of the." Of, of the area that was known as Palestine, that's not a viable way. We have to demand that the British stick to their word and stick to their promise and so forth. And we've spoken about it over the years. We've even played a very rare recording that we have. He was a master orator, master orator. He spoke in Yiddish, which was the language that most Eastern European Jews understood. Um... In a, in a way, he was Menachem Begin's Rebbe, not only that Menachem Begin took over after his death, but also as as an orator. Uh, the or, oration skills of Menachem Begin were surely, um, in part, given to him, so to speak, or taught to him by, by Jabotinsky. So he packed the audience in Warsaw on Tisha B'Av 1938 long speech about the whole situation in the land of Israel. The British, the, the, the partition plans, the Balfour Declaration, all of this. But there's one, this one and a half paragraphs which sticks out in everybody's mind. So remember, it's 1938. That's August, I guess. Tisha B'Av. Could be July, could be August. Remember that three years before this, in September of thirty-five. Germany declares the Nuremberg Laws. So you get a feel, a little feel for what might be happening. In March of 38, so not that many months before this speech, the Anschluss happened. Germany annexed Austria, just marched into Austria and annexed Austria. And the Jews in Austria began being tortured and treated as subhuman citizens, so to not citizens, subhuman people. All these things had happened. Kristallnacht had not happened yet, but it was not far away. And Jabotinsky says, quote, For three years, I've been asking you to hear my plea. You, the Jews of Poland, which is the 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 glory of the Jewish world. Like I said, it was like the capital of the Jewish world. I've been warning you, and you must hear it, I've been warning you endlessly, over and over again, 
that the catastrophe is getting closer. You hear his pain. Sa'arotayhilbinu, my hair has gone white. Vizakanti bishanimela, I've aged excessively. Kilibishol tetdam, my heart is bleeding. Al she'atem, that you, achim v'achayot yikarim, my brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, einchem ro'im et har haga'ash, she'yatchil techef liflot et eshahashmada, that you, my brothers and sisters, don't see the volcano that will soon begin erupting and shooting out fires of destruction. And he mar'e ayom. I see a frightening vision. And there is little time that you can still rescue yourself. I know that you don't see it. Why? You're so caught up in your daily lives. I get it. In your daily travails, the worries of everyday living, making making a living, making ends meet at the end of the month, paying tuition, right? All the things that we think about in our daily lives, if we think about it, right? We're busy with life, just making life work for us and our family. And we're so caught up in that, we can't see what's going on around us. Listen to my words on the, at this time. It's the twelfth hour. I guess there's a Yiddish expression for that. Each one save himself while there's still time. Save yourself because the time is short. And there's another thing I want to tell you on this Tisha B'Av day, 1938, in Warsaw, says Zev Jabotinsky. Those who will be able to rescue themselves from the catastrophe. Yizkul they will be Zoha, they will actually merit to see an amazing, glorious, joyous moment in Jewish history. The rebirth of a Jewish state. There's a man who's standing there in 1938, and don't forget, it's just about one year, a little more than one year, before Hitler invades Poland, and that's it for Polish Jewry. One year, September 1939, September 1st. And not only is he saying, run, 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 there's going to be this huge catastrophe, save yourselves, but he's also saying, if you make it, you will see... The birth of the state of Israel. I mean, it's like it is prophetic. I, I don't know what else to say. I don't know if I will be Zoha to see it. Bini Ken, my son will. He didn't, in fact. He died a few years later uh, here in this area, upstate New York, in Camp Beitar, where he was visiting. The British did not allow him to come to the land of Israel. They um, 
made him persona non grata, so he came to the United States and he was in Camp Beitar and he died there. He was buried here in New York area for many years until he, um, his body and the body of his wife were brought to the land of Israel. He had requested in his will that um, he be buried his bones be reburied in the land of Israel only if there is a sovereign state of Israel. Meaning if if at the point of his death there is no sovereign state of Israel yet, he doesn't want to be taken there. But at the time that there will be a sovereign state of Israel, he would like to be. And his followers tried to bring his body to Israel after 1948 and to reinter the bones like they did for Herzl, who also said that he would like his bones to be reinterred in the land of Israel. But Ben-Gurion, who was a, 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 an adversary but really hated Jabotinsky, uh, put the kibosh on it. He just said, no, I won't allow it. And then um, Prime Minister Levi Eshkol finally agreed to uh, to allow it, and uh, Zev Jabotinsky and his wife are buried on Har Herzl. So just to finish the last sentence here of this paragraph, where he says, I don't know if I'll be Zohan, he wasn't, but my son, he says, I'm sure, he's sure that his son will be. I believe in this, the same way I believe, I know, I'm sure, I'm certain that tomorrow morning the sun will rise, it's with that certainty that I know that my son will see the founding, the rebirth of a state of Israel in Eretz Yisrael. Ani ma'amin be'emunah shelema. Zev Jabotinsky, Tisha B'Av, 1938. Every word came true. Here's Udi Davidi, a song of Ge'ulah. Ge'u ve'ori shezoreach. The light, the light of the Ge'ulah that is shining upon us. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. ברחובות הומים אדם אפשר להרגיש את זה אומרים זו גאולה, הנה הנה זה בא וכשהלב כמעט נשבר שרוע על אדמת נחר איילת השחר מפציעה כל דודי דופק הגיע כבר הזמן הנה הנה זה בא כחולה תרשל ישראל מתחילה כמעט כמעט כל שהיא הולכת היא הולכת ורבה Thank <laughs> כל דודי דופק, הגיע כבר הזמן, הנה הנה זה בא. כחירולת אנשי ישראל, מתחילה כמעט כמעט, כל שהיא הולכת, היא הולכת.
talking about the process of the Geula in which we are in the midst of as we sit and speak to you today the day after we commemorated Tisha B'Av Tavshinayin Chet so there is a brachan, the, uh, the mention of this bracha that we say um, in Mincha, according to the Ashkenazim, in Mincha of Tisha B'Av, Birchat Nachem, it's the only time we say it, we say the whole text. There are other times where you might say the bracha itself. <clears throat> is a bracha um, that we say is part of Bonei Yerushalayim about the morning as we are mourning the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the Beit HaMikdash and so forth. And in uh, ER of 1967, Tafshin Chafzayin, I believe, when the city of Yerushalayim came under Jewish sovereignty in its entirety, including Har Habayit, and Jews returned to the city to live there, both in the old city and the new city, and what was the west side, the east side. Many, many rabbis pointed out that the language of the bracha that we say seems somewhat outdated. I'm going to read to you uh, with the translation of Rabbi Sachs. Rabbi Dr. Lord, I don't know what order it's supposed to go in, but I have want to make sure that I do use all the appellations because he is one of the most amazing people that we have in the Jewish world today. So from the Koran Sidur, his translation, 
Nachem Hashem Elokeinu Atavelei Tzion Veatavelei Yerushalayim. Console, O Lord, our God, the mourners of Tzion, the mourners of Yerushalayim. And here is where it starts getting dicey. The texts, and by the way, this originates from two places in the Yerushalmi where more or less this text appears as it as is. You know, we're talking about a long time ago. Closer to 2,000 years than to 1,000 years. Um, so, Nachem, God should console Jerusalem, those who are mourning Jerusalem. Ve'et ha'ir, the city itself, God should console the city. Ha'avela, he translates that as in sorrow, I would say also that is mourning, so to speak, like an avel. Ve'ha'areva, laid waste, desolate. Bizuya, scorned. Ve'ha'shomema, desolate. Shomeim. Shomeim means there's nothing there. Ha'avelam Blivaneha, The city of Yerushalayim grieves, translates uh, Rabbi Sachs, for the loss of its children. I, I, I'm sure that is an accurate translation. I've, I've always thought of Ha'avelam Blivaneha means that Yerushalayim is mourning in part because her children are not there. So, not for the loss of the children, but for the fact that right now, she is mourning without children around her, which makes it obviously more difficult to um, synthesize with what's happening now. Even more difficult. It is laid waste of its dwellings, meaning there's no, there's no one living there. There are no homes. So, there's no children of Yerushalayim. That means there are no Jews there. And there are no homes. Well, that's difficult to say today. It's robbed of its glory and desolate without inhabitants. So again, you could say robbed of its glory because we don't have a Beit HaMikdash because of the situation on Harabayit. But it's hard to, harder to say that Yerushalayim is desolate without inhabitants. She sits with her head covered like a childless woman, a barren childless woman. Again, because her, there are no children. Because the Jewish people, sort of like the children of Yerushalayim, are not there. Legions have devoured her. Idolaters have taken possession of her. Less of a problem with that. There's still endless numbers of churches in Jerusalem. They even own, many of the churches own a lot of the property in Jerusalem. If one were, you know, if push comes to shove, you could still say that without feeling like you're, like it's totally not true. They have put your people Israel to the sword and deliberately killed the devoted followers of the Most High. Therefore, Zion weeps bitterly, and Jerusalem raises her voice. My heart, my heart grieves for those they killed. I'm in anguish for those they killed. So all this, again, is something that we can say, that, that, that foreign legions came and took over Yerushalayim and killed tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Jews, uh, during Bayit Rishon, Bayit Cheney, the destruction was terrible. It, it was it was a Holocaust of its day. Some 
optimism always at the end of something like this. For you, O Lord, consumed it with fire, and with fire you will rebuild it in the future. Ka'amur, as it says in the Pasuk, Vani eheyelan umashem chomat esh saviv ulechavod And I, myself, God says, will be a wall of fire around it, meaning to protect it, and I will be its glory within. So the fire will be around the city to protect it, and inside the city, God's glory, his kavod, the shekhinah, so to speak, will be within the city, and that's from Zechariah. Blessed are you, Hashem, who consoles Zion and rebuilds Jerusalem. So as we mentioned, the problems here for somebody living in our time are to say some of these words, that the ear, that the city is um, that her children are not there and their homes are not, there are no homes, no one's living there, it's, it's, it's uh, desolate from, from, uh, from any population, says uh, at the time, Rav Goren, we, we can't say this, and he wrote a new Nusach, for Tilat Nachim, based on the Yerushalmi, where it originally comes from Gaonim, Rishonim, and so forth, didn't catch on. Did not catch on. Others did as well. Harav David Shalush, who was the rabbi of Netanya, Professor Ephraim Elimelech Orbach, who was a tremendous scholar. I think that the, um, the most well-known and probably uh, accepted was the Psak of Harav Chaim David Alevi. Rav Chaim David Alevi was the Rava Rashi of Tel Aviv. He was a, a student of, uh, of my great-grandfather, Rav Uziel, who before him was chief rabbi in Tel Aviv. He has a set of Sfarim of Sheilot and Shuvot that are put in an easy-to-understand way. I think they're called Asela Harav. And he, he had a very simple way to, to deal with the problem. He said... Not to change it would make us liars. Standing before God and, 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 and saying that the city is totally desolate and there are no homes and no Jews living there and so forth, it's a lie. I mean, how can you stand before God and lie? And in a way, and I'm saying this, it's also lack of recognition of the great miracles that God has done for us to return us to the state of Israel. Having said all that, <clears throat> before we get to... Um, Rav Chaim David Alevi will mention that there were many surely of the older Rabbanim who just were against making changes any changes to any words in any tefillah and what happened was they said we leave it as it is and we'll understand in whichever way we'll understand that it's that because their churches and because Harabayit is so, when we say Yerushalayim is Shamei we'll we'll say that that's actually talking only about Harabayit and so forth and so on. <clears throat> Great rabbis, Rav Tzvi Yehuda Cohen Cook, Rav Shal Yisraeli, neither could be could be uh, uh, suspected of not being Zionist enough. <clears throat> the Rav of Yosef Dov Halevi Soloveitchik of uh, of Boston and YU was against making any change of uh, Isser Unterman, who was the chief rabbi at the time, of Vadya Yosef, all great rabbis of the time basically said, we're not making changes. We don't change Tfilod. But Chaim David Alevi's suggestion, which seems to be brilliant, 
is that we add into this problematic sentence that talks about the city that's desolate and that's scorned and that's laid waste and has no one living there and no children around and so forth, no inhabitants, that we just add the word that would make it in the past, that it was like that once. We are mourning the fact that once Yerushalayim was like that. Ha'ir shehaita avela, that was in sorrow, in mourning, laid way, scorned and desolate, it was. We still feel the pain of Yerushalayim that all those years was like that. That's all. And all the rest, one could work your way around. You're not just saying something that is visibly not true. I think a lot of people have accepted that. Just make it in the past. Yerushalayim was like that. Right now it's not. It's not totally like that. There are other problems. It's still, still, um, there's still idol worshipping, idol worship going on in Yerushalayim. There's still not a bit of Mikdash, etc. But the parts that were so strongly worded and are so un not visibly true he just put them in past tense and I learned last year that Rav Lichtenstein and this is written by Rav Navon who is a Talmud of his it's not like a rumor or anything he writes what he calls even even a smaller change he he takes out that sentence. He just doesn't say that sentence. The sentence that is um, grieves for its loss of children, laid waste of its dwellings, robbed of its glory, desolate without its inhabitants, he leaves that out. And all the rest he leaves. And that's also a brilliant way of dealing with it. Because the part that he feels is just not true, he takes out. I don't have to say, I don't have to talk about things that have, the, the reality is different. But at the, at the same time, I'm not going to change anything. And, and I think that's the, within the idea of Rav Soloveitchik, his father-in-law, who was against changing the Nusach of the Tefillah, maybe Rav Lichtenstein was saying, I'm not making an actual change, to the, I'm not changing the words not changing them at the Be'ah of Chazal. I'm just taking out a sentence, which I think we, we, have, we would have tremendous difficulty saying today as a reality. So we tried to give you an idea of it, and uh, hopefully come next Tisha B'Av, we won't need to say Nachem. And um, that'll be the end of that. That'll be, that'll be the best solution. But if for whatever reason... We do. Now you have some stuff to think about for the next year. We're going to end off with Hachayim Shalanu Tutim. I'll tell you over Tisha B'Av when you read all the keynote and all the difficult, horrible, horrific things that happened to the Jewish people over the past um, almost 2,000 years. As Barry Farber once said, Oi is shorthand for the last 2,000 years of Jewish history. When you see what they went through, 
I, I don't know how to express in words how joyous we have to be for living in what is probably, I don't even want to say probably, in living in the best of times to date for the Jewish people since the destruction of the temple. And all the horrific things that we read about should remind us how amazing our reality and our life is. And every day we should remind ourselves of that. We are the luckiest Jewish generation since the Churban Habayit. Maybe even before that. So we'll end off with Hachayim Shalanu Tutim, which is a song that expresses that emotion. Our life, put into American uh, genre, uh, American words, our life is like a bowl of cherries. In the actual translation is our life is like strawberries. Hanan Ben Ari became uh, number one song the year that it came out. Life is just great. No matter what little things happen along the way, we really have a great life. So we're going to end off with that. Before we do, we're going to say thank you for listening. Thanks for your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Yoni Pollock, and after further review, will return next week. Uh, Yoni's in Israel, getting ready for all the great big broadcasts coming up from Nefesh Benefesh in Israel on uh, JM in the AM. You should stay tuned during this week. It's an amazing Israel week over at JM in the AM. Um, so we're going to have a music mix until uh, for an hour, and then after that, Novik now with Jake Novik who's going to analyze um, the big news stories with a unique perspective from a longtime news producer and editor and columnist, Jake Novak. So stay tuned for that. And then the rest of the day, the Great Monday Music Marathon. Until next time we meet, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh, no, they're just running in a different race. Thank you.
Thank you. 